and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers, live from both Peterborough, Ontario, and Ottawa, Ontario. My name is Crofton Steers. I am live in Ottawa, Ontario, where, with my co-host Ryan, we are going to do a show today. But you know what? I'm not going anywhere. I am going to stay here until my demands are met. I am going to move my chair out into the street with this microphone and say that I want my demands to be met or I am going to shut down the city. That's that's what I'm saying, Ryan. What do you say to that? I you Okay. What are your demands? Ryan, look, there's a lot of demands, a uh-huh. lot of ins, a lot of outs. There's a lot of us, Ryan. I'm just one of many people that have demands, and I'm not going to take it anymore. The people up above, they're making all the decisions. Well, I say to them, your decisions, they're not good. So please cave to my demands, or I tell you, we're going to party on the street for like days and honk horns and maybe break out some saunas and bounty castles. It's going to be the world's dumbest protest, but I swear by the end of this, my demands, our demands will be met, Ryan. Okay. Um, well, I mean, when you figure out your demands, write them down. I, we know, we know, we're just not saying them out loud to right. you right now, but we know what they are. And I'll tell you, Ryan, they are realistic demands that are totally meetable. Okay. Did you post them on Facebook? Uh, maybe my aunt shared them. I could go, you find them no there? i mean like like you're the only thing i posted on facebook was a couple of swear words about the people in power <laughs> right told them where to stick it you know and i got a lot of likes on those sure. but i i tell you i tell you what right we'll do this show I'll, I'll sit out here in the road and then you know we'll honk some horns get some get some change happening here and uh and hopefully by the end of the show because we go so long my demands will be fully met I I do have one one question pops into my mind and this is always I've always been so curious about it. Um did you put a a maple leaf over the vowel in the swear word? Like that seems to be the thing uh, to I do. I mean I I tell you like a, all I I just bought an industrial amount of Canada flags because if I wrap the flag around me, I could say anything and do anything and it's Canadian. Uh and this protest is for uh let me check notes freedom it's for freedom ryan and there's nothing more canadian than freedom because we all know that freedom isn't free yeah just just the f word i was thinking of yeah yeah that's um, the f, f word yeah yeah well that's that's great i'm surprised that your usb mic uh can make it all the way out into the street um, and that your Wi-Fi is intact. I mean, you, maybe you started the podcast on cellular, um, which I mean, great coverage, it's good quality. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty pretty good. So you know, keep me posted. Let me know uh, how that goes, and we'll check in. Um, you know, I I kind of preferred shed talk to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this these last three weeks have really changed you. This is this is Occupy talk, like uh, Occupy podcast. Mm. I mean, you knew, you, you realize you always occupied this pot at least 50%. Sometimes, depending on the topics, 75 to, to 60% Crofton occupied. You, you realize you had that margin already. So what you're saying is it's not 100%. Ryan, the <laughs> occupation continues. Okay. Speaking of which, let's start by occupying the dungeons. 
and uh, let's go down there and uh, and check in with uh, what we got going on. Ryan, I I don't like referring to the show notes. No, of course uh, not. But Why I, would you I, ever, as a podcaster, refer to a tool that I, everybody uses? Yeah. That everybody can, that nobody can see, that it's only us that can see, you know, like, but oh, I uh, see. the new, the new Crofton that is a protester, uh, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's protesting the norms. And you know what? I don't care if my audience can't see these notes and only I can see them. I am going to talk about them because one thing that I find very interesting is that you have a lot of content here, but it's all prefaced by the same two letters, which is TV. Mm. Seems like you watched a lot of TV. I have. I've watched a lot of TV and most of this is like been building up over the last couple months because I feel like our last episode, uh, I think it was more video game focused. But yeah, we've been watching a lot of TV. Myself and Ashley have been watching TV. Um, I've been catching a show on my own. And, and I I mean, I'm curious, where do you want to start? Because I, I you're right. I mean, I'm going to reference the show notes. And I always feel like the show notes are a great tool to help um, whoever's writing the notes for the for the podcast, which everybody does see the episode description, it really helps you like draft something that really captures uh, what the episode is about. So, I mean, you're welcome. But I'm going to ask you, like, what do you want to hear about first? Because one of these is a long form, and two of these are like I, I, more just questions that I have for, for you. I guess. Sorry, sorry, Ryan. Just just one second here. What are you doing? Hey, yeah, buddy. Yeah, right on. S- sorry, sorry about that. It just, just some I of the computer. You weren't allowed to honk your horn after eight o'clock. Is that not? Yeah, whatever. The occupiers, as occupiers, we do what we want, Ryan. Uh, how about you go with go with the longest one first? The one that you have the that you want to sink your teeth in the most. You want to talk about the most. All right, maybe sink your teeth in the most maybe that was a segue oh it's a great segue if you know what show we're going to talk about which is yellow jackets um this show kind of came out of nowhere for me i've seen it around a lot and uh it's on showtime or crave in in uh, canada if you want to go st- the streaming route but uh it what what do you think of when i tell you it's lost meets hannibal meets degrassi with a little bit of like maybe what's the best like i think lost is a good example but maybe if lost was more demonic let's say as opposed to just mysterious polar bears and the others i mean i i like i'll be honest and this is maybe embarrassing as a canadian but degrassi is a blind spot for me i haven't seen much maybe when i was a kid but i i watched the first two seasons of hannibal maybe Mm -hmm. uh and and quite quite enjoyed it but but at the same time, it was you know like it's it's tough content. Like it's not it it doesn't go down easy if you know what I'm saying. Um, and uh, but Lost, I was a big fan of, despite everybody being mad about the ending. I quite liked it. I liked the whole series. I watched it week to week when it aired. I don't know if I go back to it, but I liked how it always it always made me want more. And it definitely like did a good job of of both Hannibal and Lost did great jobs of like building up their characters, like telling their stories like with flashbacks or just like, you know, their inner dialogue and stuff. So, uh, and they, they had more loss than Hannibal had a large cast of characters and Degrassi. I think I remember having a lot of characters too. So is it like, I haven't seen yellow jackets. I've heard a lot of buzz about it online, but, um, but what is the yellow jackets? Like that's a type of wasp. Is it not? 
It is. Yeah. So the idea behind the show is that it takes place both in the 90s and the present time, uh, the the year 2022. Uh, or in this case, I think 2021. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But what the story is, is basically in the 90s, 1996, a team, a high school team, uh, of um, I think it's an all-female soccer team, are traveling to nationals after winning, and they're going by plane. And the first episode starts off with this uh, this girl running through a forest, a uh, snowy winter forest, and she's being chased by someone or something. And uh, this is right off the bat. You see her fall into this pit. Uh, actually, you know what I should mention is another another property. It's like is Lord of the Flies. That's the big one that everyone I should have included that here is Lord of the Flies. Um, so it's and I but I've never seen that. So that's probably why it leaves my mind. But essentially, you have Look, this. Ryan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you've never seen Degrassi. Come on, let's uh, let's not throw stones. I I've never seen the book. You haven't read the book. Is I have not. Oh yeah, I guess that's what you're reacting to. Okay, yeah. All right. I thought you were. <laughs> never mind. We're not going to go there. So, anyways, uh, so Lord of the Flies, and essentially this this uh, girl is running through the forest. She falls into this trap. She dies, and it leads to this scene of um these these uh, these high school. Uh, students dressed up in you know pelts and antlers very cultish very like satan worshipy and uh they are proceeding to um eat uh like cook and eat like it's a cannibal type thing going on so this is the mystery that they're setting up right at the beginning it's very dark very hannibal very like what the hell's going on what leads to this and uh, then you go you go a little bit further and it goes to this high school uh, soccer team and they are, you know, going to nationals and it's setting up all the relationships of these characters, uh, both in the 90s and in the current present time. So you find out that there was a plane crash. Uh, they crashed into the wilderness. They were there for 18 months or 19 months and some of them survived. Uh, so they give you this information all in the first episode and the... I will say this, you have to watch the first two episodes because I feel like the first episode's very piloty. Like it ends with the plane crashing essentially, but you don't get to you don't get to see it. You know all this is happening because it's part of the part of the story they're they're delivering. They just haven't shown it yet. And I think that's where the second episode really comes into play where it shows the plane crash and it shows more of them, you know, adapting to their new scenario whereas the plane has crashed in the deep in the wilderness of Canada and they are stuck there. And that's where the story starts to tell both the nineties version, which is them surviving. And then the present day where they are dealing with living with this trauma. And, and at first you're thinking, at first you're thinking, well, in the present day, it's just them dealing, continuing to deal with this trauma. Where are they at in their lives now? And how is, how is this survival affecting them? Uh, But that quickly evolves into something much more more there's more mystery in the present day and there's mystery in the 90s and it's all connected and it's just such a enthralling show like ashley and i couldn't stop watching it like it's very rare that both of us dig into a show where we're like well let's just watch the next 20 minutes of the next episode so we can kind of see where it's going and then we'll stop okay after the scene after the scene and that was sort of us for like a month as we were going through this show. Uh, we started, I think, over the holidays and, and finished it up uh, 
well, just after the holidays. So we, we waited till a good chunk of the episodes were out. Then we, we started watching it and we were able to basically watch the, I think the finale, um, shortly after it aired. So yeah, we had a great time with the show. And like I said, there's a lot of this mystery. There's a lot of questions being raised. Um, there's a lot of answers too. Like they are, they are answering questions and stuff. It's really cool. I have questions to oh, yeah, raise. Okay. Question number one, the, the actors, are they the same actors in the time difference or like with age up or age down makeup? No. So they've cast two sets of characters, uh, the young nineties and then also the present day. And I think that's where there's some really interesting, like, um, head casting going on right now that the first season has ended and there are hints to characters that aren't portrayed in the future but have been given hints that they've survived and that's the whole part of the mystery too is that you're seeing everybody who survived the plane crash but hasn't been featured in the future so you don't know uh, interesting you, you know you know some people have died and they've they've established that but there is still this mystery of like, okay, well, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? And they play into that in in the 90s where they're like showing these people. It's like, oh, yeah, this is where this person dies or okay. this is what happens to this person. Another question about that then. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to follow who is who? Like, like when you're watching a show, it's splitting, jumping between time periods and these same characters are played by different actors. Obviously – the fashion is different. The time is different. You can't expect every little telltale signs like having the same haircut or mm. the same whatever. You would expect that to be different. Is it hard to be like, oh, this character is actually, especially early on before you get to know, like to be like, this character is actually this person in the future because you're played by different people? Did you have a hard time with that? Um, Yes and no. So like, y- yes, for some characters, like there are. So for example, there um they they focus on uh four four characters from the past that have survived the the crash and they focus on those four and it can be tough to to tell who's who right at the beginning because again at the beginning like it doesn't also help that when they're showing these characters in the 90s preceding the the plane crash they're all wearing the same school uniform uh for soccer uh the yellow jackets uh uniform which is the i should have mentioned is the soccer team and like that sometimes causes issues at the beginning as you're trying to determine like okay who's this person in the future uh, and who's who's this other person but again like right off like eventually by the end of the first episode you get a good idea to see who those what the telltale signs are like I don't know any character names. I'm terrible at that. But like, I think that there are very clear connections between <laughs> the four survivors and um, their counterparts in the past. And they've done a really good job at casting and a really good job at connecting those characters, even though they are two different actors. Um, okay. But again, like there is some confusion in the in the 90s portion, because again, like you're not you're you're having that disconnect like okay these people don't exist or haven't been portrayed in the future yet so like i'm having a hard time understanding all of the secondary characters that haven't been again pr- portrayed in the 20s or whatever because you don't know if they've survived or not but like all the casting done for the characters from the 90s to the 2020s really well done 
Um, like there's one character who uh, the adult version is played by Christina Ricci, and um, her child, her high school counterpart. Again, like they're both crazy. They both it work really well. It's like they did such a great job at connecting. Too bad they couldn't have gotten like 1990s Christina Ricci to be her night like that. She's been in the public eye that long, you know. That's true, and and I think like that's the other thing too is, uh, you know, you you do have this struggle like um, when you look at a photo of someone 30 years ago, they look very different, right? They've aged 30 years, and I think that's the the struggle, especially with Christina Ricci, is like you you know what she looked like in the 90s, so um, it can be tough to see like another actor portraying her in the nineties, but, but it's more about like the mannerisms and the character, you know, uh, traits that I think better connect them. Um, and I, and I really, especially with her character, you could tell right away, like, Oh, that's her, like her, just her mannerisms and the way she acts like that's again, I can't remember their names, but cause I'm terrible with names, but we, the, like the other uh, related to that, like you could, you could have an, uh, the other conundrum of being like, okay, is it jarring to move back and forth between the nineties and the, and the two thousands uh, or the 2020s? And I think that's not a problem just based on, you know, the location. So again, like a lot of the 2020 stuff is taking place in like cityscapes and, and villages and towns and cities. Um, whereas the nineties stuff is outside of the, once they get away from the high school is taking place in the wilderness so you know right away as long as they don't do any forestry shots in in the future like you know immediately when you switch right right is there any sort of color change into the visuals that they use sometimes they do that like for flashbacks like one would be more colorful or color saturated or anything like that or do they are they filmed the same way i they're filmed the same way unless the story calls for there to be like a filter play i won't like spoil yeah. it or anything but like there are moments in in the past where uh there is a there is some camera trickery going on but see like you've pretty much told me right off one by saying that one of them's going to turn into a werewolf you're going to see things from their eyes it's going to be like a yellow thing <laughs> i i get I, you know i'm i'm jumping i'm jumping into to it already just the other question you touched on uh, already uh when you said about the casting of season two my question was, is everything neatly resolved at the end of the, is this like a one and done sort of event series from the beginning to the end? It resolves, ties up the loose ends and is over. My impression here based on these characters coming back is no, it's, it, it, it does continue. And if so, is it like cliffhanger central or is there some resolution? Um, so uh, the first season's complete. You can watch the whole thing. Uh, there are a lot of news stories out there that you'll read when the show was picking up that it was pitched as a five seasons story. The showrunners have now said like, you know, that's just how you sell a TV show. We don't actually know how many seasons it's going to be, but they have like their beats figured out for the whole, for the majority of the story. And that sounds good in my mind and that you, you know, like they've got a complete story they want to tell and very much when you're starting off the show, I'll say this, like you feel like, okay, well, the mystery is clearly going to be what happened in those 19 months that they were gone. And the drama being played out in the present day is really just exploring the trauma of their survival and what they had to do to survive. But that quickly becomes 
just a part of what's happening in the present day. There's more to what's happening in the present day related to what happened in the 90s. It's not just about the trauma of survival. It's much more. And that is that builds up over the exploration of uh, in the first season of what happened while they were surviving in the wilderness. And that's where Lost comes in, in that, like, not only is the mystery developing in the 90s, the mystery is also continuing to develop in the present day uh, as it as as time moves forward. And does season one answer all the questions? Absolutely not. Um, does season one answer some pretty big questions? Yes, it does. And it tees up season two in an interesting way where you're like, oh, okay, this is very much going to be, we're going to be experiencing in parallel in season two of the consequences of what happened in the nineties, uh, in, in the wilderness. And then, uh, and we're going to be experiencing the consequences of that 30 years later as the present day continues. And these characters have to deal with, um, what has happened. And again, I'm trying not, I don't want to spoil it because again, like yeah, I yeah. think the journey is so worth experiencing unspoiled. And it is one of those shows where, um, after you finish it, you could just go Google it and, and see all these theories and all these discussions. I hate when you're in the middle of those shows uh-huh. and and you just want like you want to have that you want to engage with the dialogue that's out there mm-hmm. but at the same time you don't want to be spoiled and you know that there's literally no way that you can search like it's very challenging to ser- to to like you just finished episode 3 you know that there's like say five more episodes out there and you just want to you know, I talk, get in on the dialogue or the conversation surrounding episode three specifically, but without any of the other stuff. But even in the comments of a review of episode three, people could be like, oh, yeah, but then she goes crazy, or blah, blah, blah. You know, and you're like, ah, yeah. And so it's, it, it is, it is tricky. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I know what that's like being in the middle of something and just wanting to engage with beyond the show, but not being able to. Yeah. I think that um, this is a show where you, you will have to wait unless you are talking to a friend who's seen it all and respects your choice not to be spoiled, um, like me, uh, I think that um, you'll have to wait to Google it after you've finished it. Um, But it was a show that I just loved reading through the interviews. Like they always, you know, when a big show ends or a big episode ends or a season ends, there's always these interviews with the showrunners and they ask all these really great questions. And there was a couple articles that I read where they were interviewing the showrunners and it was just, it was an a fascinating read and honestly um kind of refreshing too because the showrunners were being asked these questions of like okay but is this person really dead you know because it is a show of mystery and um sort of uh how do i put it it's kind of like a show of not only mystery but all sleight of hand you know like oh is this person dead is this person not dead you know just because we're not showing you something like the classic walking dead I'm not saying this applies to Yellow Jackets, but Walking Dead is like, well, if you don't see them die on screen, they can always come back. You can always find a reason to bring them back. And and that is no more true than what's happened with Fear the Walking Dead and bringing back Madison is that she didn't die on screen, although very clearly she was surrounded by walkers and everything was on fire. So she could she she likely died. But because there's this big fan outpouring, they can find a way to bring her back because she did not die on screen. And I think like, these interviews for the Yellow Jackets show is like, did this person die? Is this going to be a miraculous recovery? 
and the show owner is like, yeah, no, we don't want to, we, we don't want to toy with your emotions. Like, you know, that person's dead. Like, you know, it happened. And I think like that was refreshing to read and, and to experience because it's like a lot of these shows, especially with like Lost, they, they were great shows, but they sometimes didn't treat the audience uh, well. You know, there was a lot of these like, look over here. Uh, Walking Dead super gu- is probably the best example of like, you know, uh, showing you something and be and well to make sure to tune in next week and find out how Glenn survived that dumpster. You know, it's uh, it's stuff like that that really like bugs me. And I think with Yellow Jackets, it's a show that respects your time. And I think right now that's my biggest thing when it comes to any form of entertainment is that if you're not respecting my time then you usually get kicked to the curb or you just, we just stop watching, you know, it it falls off the plate and I don't feel bad about it, you know? So, but yellow jackets is great. If you, if you have a subscription to crave or have access to showtime, uh, definitely check it out. It is a hundred percent worth it. It is, um, it is of a, a darker material. Like it's probably going to, um, raise those flags in terms of like, uh, you know, the same, flags that were raised for like the last of us, like not wanting something that's quite so, you know, um, dark, but I think that, uh, I I think there's enough, there's enough in here that, that raises the show up outside of just like, you know, Oh, this is a, this is a cannibal show. It's like, no, like there's a lot more to it, (laughs) you know, even though that is the opening scene. What? Cannibalism? Wow, you buried the lead on that. You've been talking about the show for like twenty minutes, and now you mentioned they start eating each other. Well, that was I. That, I did mention that at the top of the show. You know, not only did, did I mention Hannibal, but I did mention that they they ate that poor girl at the beginning. So they ate her. Yeah, like not oh, like I, Walking Dead I, style. <laughs> I miss I misheard that. You you were saying that that she was being chased through the woods. They just killed her. No, 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 they killed her and then they and you talked about them wearing all the clothes. They on they ate her. Oh, okay. I I jeez, I would have shock and incredulity for that part. There's the Han- Hannibal link. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm geez. pretty sure that happens right at the beginning and I know like when I'm when when this is the thing like again, the show respects it's not like could you imagine in, in Lost, they'd like wait four seasons to, and they were all cannibals, you know, like you could yeah. see that being like no, a drop, no. you know, but I this mean, is right I, off the bat. Well, like already I'm like, I don't know if this Jess is going to want to watch the show. Like this is like, I was like, oh, this is something we can maybe watch together. And now I'm like, oh, it opens with that cannibal scene. I'm like, yeah, probably not. Well, here's you the know thing. Like, I, I, and I, I 100% understand that. But like, that is just, that is that is uh that is a, a moment they they lead with it's the end of the journey or what i perceive to be the end of the journey i have no idea whether like they resort to cannibalism and then they're rescued a week later and they're like well shit that sucks um i i don't know but what i'm saying here is that like that's why you kind of have to give the show two episodes because again the whole thing isn't about that it's it's just what they lead with to kind of say like shit got bad you know like real bad and i don't know like that's that's what it leads with like that's the opening scene um and it is a bit jarring because they don't really come back to it for a few more episodes but it is always this thing kind of like 
a ways away. Like, you know <laughs> like, that moment is hap- it happens down the road in the journey that this show is going on. It makes me think of the, what do you call it, uh, Game of Thrones, how that first episode's, like, before the title card, like, of the pilot, it's like, uh, you know, the 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 what is those blue dudes, you know, the white walkers or whatever. Sure. It's like, it. it's like a, a fantasy sort of thing that then they don't go back to for like forever. You know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just like, Hey, paying attention. Uh, you know, like this is a, this is a traumatic scene. Come yeah. back later. I think you, I, I honestly think like, again, it's, a, uh, you got, you just got to trust me. It's a show that respects your time. Don't be, don't, don't shy away just on the opening scene. It is hard to watch. I'm not saying it's easy to watch. It's hard to watch, but like the story they're telling that leads to that moment, I think is really interesting. And there's a reason the show has a lot of buzz. Um, it is really good. And yeah, you got to get through like the first episode and a half to like truly, um, appreciate what's being laid out here. So uh, yeah, no, I know that sounds sounds good. I, there's so many jokes I could make about uh, about uh, respecting your time and cannibalism, and uh, <laughs> but uh, I I will not, I will not do that. I will not do that. Actually, you know what this is a good seg to one of my things, Ryan. Sure. So yeah, what did you um, uh, what what cannibalism entertainment did you engage with? Yeah, no, it's it's sort of like okay, so so um, I. As I've mentioned last episode, and I'm not going to go back to it too long. I've been playing Valheim with the boys. Um, it's uh, I, in Shed Talk episode. You can go back and listen to my. I do a great job explaining what Valheim is all about and why it's why it's super awesome. It remains really awesome uh, to the point that like we were the three of us were joking somewhat about like oh we maybe we should do a Valheim podcast <laughs> but at the at the same point I was like I don't know how much that there legitimately is to say about you know er- all of it like it's really about you know going through it and playing it but it, there's no better sort of hangout game with the guys but it also has this organic adventure space that after you're in it is hard to go to scripted spaces. So like I was playing Halo and I was playing the campaign and I kind of, I was like, well, this is very, it's an open world, but it's very scripted. Um, And, and it was hard for me to get back into it after that sort of organic adventure filled nature of Valheim where weird and crazy things happen and you're exploring and all of this. So, so I was having a hard time getting into game and, and uh, I was looking at game pass and I got, I've heard a lot of buzz about, this uh anime series that launched on the um the vita called danganronpa have you ever heard of danganronpa before uh ryan i've heard of it but i've not like i've not played it but i've heard of it for sure so here's the thing with anime in general uh is that sometimes like first, it, it it has all this these tropes and and tropes of characters and and like a lot of them you know you, you see them you you see a few animes you're like oh this is that type of the best friend character or the the girl next door character it's a lot that like stuff that we we are familiar with but it comes back very often to the point of kind of cheese in a lot of anime it's hard to get past sometimes but the other thing anime does i find very well is it comes off comes up with crazy um scenarios or situations and uh and 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 
those are often very compelling. And this is one of those, but it's also on sort of on the darker side. Um, so here the concept is is first off, Danganronpa is like a visual novel style game. The the closest thing I could compare it to is Phoenix Wright. Uh, the the sort of detective games where there's like you're a lawyer, but there's an investigative phase and in all of this. It's the same sort of deal. But a bunch of characters you're reading, reading the text. It's not so far off of Yellow Jackets in that it's a bunch of teenagers, high school students, that are trapped in this school. Uh, and there's like bars on the way, like, like more than bars, like metal plates on the windows. They can't see outside. They're trapped in the school and there's this sadist character that's like this mastermind that is embodied by this bear because it's anime, this, this bear suit thing called Monoguma or something. I forget his name, but anyway, uh, and the concept is all these these folks that are trapped in the school, all these students, they have to kill each to graduate, to get out of this situation. They have to kill each other and not get caught. Uh, and so, uh, like, you have to commit a murder and not get caught. And there's all these sort of, like, rules around it. Now, you're playing a character that would never commit a murder. Like, you, the concept here is that your character is a pure character that is, like, never going to be you're, – you're not going out there trying to kill students. What you're, But what happens is, like, it, it, it's very much scripted to the nines. Like, it's all written out. It's a visual novel. You're going to different rooms. You're meeting different characters. You're talking to them. And then everybody's scared. People are like, I'm not going to kill people just to get out of here. Like, forget that. Um, they're all being very cagey about, about their motives or why, you know, all of this. And, uh, and then sure enough, eventually uh, somebody turns up dead and there's a crime scene. And then you investigate uh, and there's an investigation phase where your character is going around trying to figure stuff out. And then there's a trial. It's a class trial where you have to sort of bust, like figure out what happens as a group. It's not just you as the, even though your character is often at the center of things, there's, it's, it's everybody is talking about it. And there's all these weird mini games in the, to bring the conversation to life. It's like, sometimes it's like borderline a first person shooter shooting words to put together a thing. Let, sometimes it's like a rhythm game to make, like there's all these things to make it more interactive, but in the end it's kind of solving what happened. And it's all about how invested you get in the story. And at the beginning I was eye rolling like crazy, like, you know, anime tropes and this kids in school and teenagers and i'm like just like oh god i've seen this but then once it starts going i'm like now now i'm in and i'm like oh my god i gotta figure out all the mission it's like a it's like a season of a tv show and i'm i'm heading to you know i'm starting to head to the finale at this point i've put so much time into it this week i cannot believe it um and yeah like i'm not saying that it's the it's a fantastic game and i'm playing it on xbox game pass on my xbox series x on my TV. So I'm playing at what was at first, I think a PSP game that was released in the U S on PS Vita on my TV. Instead of playing like Halo infinite or whatever, I'm playing this anime novel game. Um, and my wife is always laughing when I'm like, I'm going to go play my uh, Japanese anime teen murder sim game. Uh, and uh, she's, she's always laughing about it, but I'm, each murder is like its own storyline and it's all, all of this. But the thing is you're invested in these characters. The longer they stay alive, the more you learn more about them. And then like for 
if if they're found guilty in the class trial, if somebody is if the murderer is discovered, which they always will be, because the way it works, one of the rules is if if the murderer gets away with it, they get to graduate and they get to go free, but everybody else then dies. Um, and so it's in the interest of everybody else to bust the murderer. And if they bust the murderer, then the murderer gets executed. So that means that you start the game, like there's like 12 students or something. I don't know, but at least two are likely going to die each time there's a, a murder because the, the murderer will die and the murderee uh, victim, I guess, <laughs> will 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 also die. And then some murderers have more than one victim. And so the cast starts thinning out right quick, but you're invested in some of them. So like this last one, I, I was like, oh no, I think one of my favorite characters was actually the murderer, which means that they're going to die. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We're going through the trial. And I'm like, I realize I'm emotionally invested in it now. So yeah, I'm there's multiple of these games. Like it, it, it had sequels. I'm playing the first one. I don't know if I'll get into the sequels, but I'm very much enjoying it. I'm I'm sure I'll be done next time we record a show and I can give final remarks on how it closes up. There are some mysteries like is there a spy for the for the mastermind? Is there all of this sort of stuff? Uh, but I you know there's a lot of contrivances. It's extremely contrived, but the the scenario is so compelling that you get behind those contrivances and. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is like, I've been struggling with bedtime lately with the girls. Uh, it's every second day, my wife and I alternate bedtimes. And when I, when I do the bedtime, uh, I just have to sit upstairs a long time while Clara falls asleep. Like I'm lying on my bed essentially. So what can I do during that time to entertain myself? And I, I started thinking like, ah, oh, geez, I just want to play this Danganronpa game. It, it's kind of stupid that, I can't play it like it's so low impact. Like it's an, like, why can't I play it upstairs? And I was thinking about buying it on the switch. Cause it's on the switch as well. Even though I'm so deep in the game, it would mean restarting. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I can do that. But I've been, what I did was I got Xbox, uh, X cloud on my phone. Um, which is allows you to stream the game, stream Xbox game pass games. Um, to your phone and like you know if it has diminished returns if you're playing like halo and things are moving a lot it's going to probably the streaming it's going to chop and it's going to look shitty but for a game like danganronpa where it's a visual novel you're just walking around the school and reading stuff and making decisions works perfect and so i'm just like i you know i have a little con bluetooth controller i'm i'm up there i've got i've got my phone and I, i'm like i can wait for the girls to go to sleep and then i can go down and play this little game on my big tv and continue solving mysteries so uh yeah it's a good game and xbox uh cloud is a, a great service for I, I i'm loving that too yeah i um I've dabbled a lot with the uh, the cloud, the Xbox cloud, and I have a um, a backbone. So I have an iPhone. I have a backbone controller, which is like a, a re one of the better controllers for that you can slot your phone into. Um, and there are a lot of those um, out there. And I've I've tried like the clip you can get that you basically clip your phone on top of an Xbox controller. It kind of like you hold the Xbox controller and then the added weight of the phone just above it. And it looks really silly, but it works. Like there are a lot of these options uh, now with with playing games on your phone. And um, you, I've actually found that even just remote 
to the Xbox through the Xbox app on my phone works quite well too. Um, and it's all, but it's all synced. So if you wanted to just do the cloud, you can do the cloud, even though you're not playing off your Xbox. Like if you want to play off your, your, the cloud, you're still accessing your save. But for me, like I, um, I'll remote into the Xbox and play stuff. Um, I've done it with the PlayStation as well. And like I, you have an Android phone, right? That's what you have. I I have Android. Yeah. So there are like Android controllers as well. If you wanted to like get into that as opposed to like setting up the phone against like a book or something. And like, it's just so funny. I have a little kickstand on my case. Yeah. And I just, I just like, this is people tell me to get in shape, but they don't, they don't take into account what a big belly can do. And uh, like lying down, I just put my phone with the kickstand up on my belly and I got my little controller and I'm just nice and cozy. I mean, maybe if there was more of this and like I get through Danganronpa and I want to play other games on the cloud upstairs while the girls are falling asleep. Maybe maybe I'll look into it. One question I have for you, Ryan. I mm. have an iPad. Yeah. Um, do you know if game like I, I remember iOS and, and the cloud streaming kind of didn't work together? But you were sort of alluding there that maybe it it now does. Like for a long time, it was only only worked on Android. Do you know? Can I can I stream Game Pass to my iPad? Yeah. So you can do um, through the Xbox app. You can stream from your Xbox uh within the app no problem and i do it on my um i do it on the ipad or my iphone um for for actually going through xbox game pass cloud uh you have to go through the browse you have to go basically create an applet through safari um it works it's um it works fine it does what it needs to do but like again you have the game installed on your xbox so outside of like not wanting to tax your xbox with Dangan Rampa or whatever, like um, you can you can just download the Xbox app and stream from your from your Xbox, and then like you said, when you're done playing, just like shut down the app and turn on the TV, and you're good to go. Um, so like that's what I would suggest is if you if you're playing a game that's on your Xbox and you're playing a majority of it on the Xbox, is just use the Xbox app if you wanted to play on the iPad, um, and your you have a series x i use my series x for here so here's a little tip uh use your series x controller on your phone you might be thinking oh man i gotta sync it and then i gotta sync it back to my xbox so there's this handy dandy trick that i i've seen around where if you hold the sync button on your after you've synced it to a mobile phone through through bluetooth if you hold the sync button on the xbox series x controller it will recall the last mobile connection if you double tap the sync button on the Xbox Series X controller, it will switch back to the Xbox. So it has like this memory recall within the controller. So you don't have to constantly sync That's cool. the controller between the console and your mobile device. So it saves a lot of time. So I'm able to jump from, um, so because I have the backbone, I don't seek it to my phone, but if I want to play on my tablet, I'll, I have it synced to my tablet. So I just, I'm constantly jumping back and forth. Um, and it works quite well. So that would be my suggestion is to try it on the iPad. And what, what do you play on mobile? Like what, what would you play in that? T- cause I really dang and romp is the only game that I'd be like, well, this works. Cause it's like a, you know, it's low impact visual novel. Like I wouldn't play Forza on that. No, no. Um, what have I been doing? So like a couple examples. Uh, so mass effect three, um, I'd be like, I'd get to a point where 
uh, or Mass Effect in general, I get to a point where it's a bunch of dialogue, like after a mission where I got to talk to a bunch of people. So I'll just have like, I'll just, I'll just cue it up in the background. I have wireless headphones and I'll kind of like work through that a little bit. Um, That's cool, man. It is what an age we live in. We can do all that stuff. Like, yeah, that is, that is really neat. Like, uh, and not, not a way that I would necessarily have thought, thought to have used it but i just realized that like that it's an added feature that allows us to maximize our time like we have as parents we have little time for ourselves and like now for me every second evening i'm caught up there doing bedtime and it means that like say i can't play the game that i wanted to that night or do what i wanted to that night per se but now we're you know with with netflix apps on things and with like with uh you know game pass being streamable like it's just everything is just seems easier more palatable like uh anyway we're lucky yeah so i know like one of the feedback we'll get from our listeners um like whirlwind he'll say he's been he's been having a similar function where he's having to wait up with uh his kids as they fall asleep or because if he leaves they they uh they have an issue with that so he's he has a i think it's a razor kishi um with his uh iphone and he'll play Tales of Arise. And again, like, uh, which is a JRPG, there's a, there's a lot of discussions in that game, but there's also a lot of action combat. I, what I've really enjoyed a lot with um, streaming has been anything turn-based, you know, nothing that requires, like, you know, quick reflexes. But even with Tales of Arise, I've played a little bit of it mobile. There are a lot of those moments where you're having a lot of conversations. So again, it's nice to be able to just kind of, like, process that, in the background, like a kind of like a podcast, but uh, it also it works fine. Like there is there is a bit of a delay, but I find like when you have like a hardware controller, like the Backbone or the Razer Kishi, it does cut down on that latency because Bluetooth. When you're Bluetoothing a controller to your phone, there is a bit of latency introduced there on top of the streaming and whatever else is going on. But like when you have that controller synced to your Xbox, there are technologies at play that deal with that latency because it's not syncing via Bluetooth to your Xbox. It's syncing through a proprietary wireless thing. Um, I just wanted to mention one other thing about Danganronpa Mm -hmm. before passing the baton. Uh, So one thing that I find like, and this is just total Japanese anime type stuff, is that... um, is, is that the name of the games are like incomprehensible. Like, I don't know what D- Danganronpa means. It, it has no bearing on the game. But also the first game is called Trigger Happy Havoc. It, and on Game Pass, that's the letters that are in big. And then it says Danganronpa in small. So like, if you're like, listening to me and you're like wow that that game about those murdering kids sounds fun i want to check that one out well i would say you know like look for trigger happy havoc and it should be it's a recently added i think um uh, to to game pass and i know that you can get the whole package of all the games on on switch i don't know if that would be too much because the other thing I, i would just say while closing up on this is as ryan was talking about yellow jackets yes this is like lighter fare in that it's anime characters, but they're still murdering each other and it's still an oppressive environment. And it's still like when I'm done playing it, I don't feel this. Nece- like I want to know what happens next, but I don't necessarily feel good about myself. Like I, I don't feel good about like, I'm like, oh, it's 
oh man, that sucks. You know, it's it's kind of a like there is a level of exploitation. I'm assuming it has a happy ending, but if it does not, I will be like, oh, I don't know if I would recommend this. So we will see. I will let you know. Cool. Well, it sounds interesting. I I th- I think you're right. Like looking for something that's a little more. A slower pace to to take it because i i have been looking for other games to um not necessarily like i've been playing uh, as you know speaking of remote um play like i've been playing a lot of uh inscription and um death's door uh via streaming um i have a steam link downstairs so i've been playing so death's door is this game i i don't have it in the notes but i i plan on talking about it on gamers in next week it's a it's a 2d zelda game uh, where you play as a crow, and I, I, I might, I, it might be one for you to look into. It's on Xbox Game Pass. I tried it. I downloaded it on. Okay. It was one of those like, like I was almost impulsed it many times during the year, and then I, I downloaded it on Game Pass around at the exact same time I d- downloaded Danganronpa actually, and I played it first, and. Um, it, it has all the makings of something that I would like. Like it looks, it's the, the style, the the perspective, um, all of this. But I started to play it, and it's just like walking around these isometric environments. And Ryan, to be fair, I have not given it its due time. Uh, but I, I went out of the first area. I fought like I guess like a mini starter boss or whatever with tentacles, and then it threw me into another area. And then I started exploring it or whatever. And then eventually I died and was like, yeah, all right, I'll come back to this and then i haven't come back i think it might be a game that uh you know if if you and your daughter enjoyed zelda uh, i will say this i know i know when you fight enemies blood comes out and for some reason the blood sticks around it's like a style choice but you can turn that off in the accessibility options which i did because i was playing um around the kids and and they really got a kick out of it like there, there is zelda violence you know like sword slashing and stuff but it's it's not i don't know it doesn't feel that bad in comparison to a lot of the other stuff like it it is um and plus you get to play as a crow but i had a lot of fun with it and i played a lot of it uh via um remote play just uh through steam link so the steam link app on my phone um so i'd turn the computer on connect the steam link and i'd be good to go it was it worked quite well so yeah, that would be my other recommendation if you're looking for something. But it sounds like you've got a good uh, a good one going. I do. I got a good a good thing. I got a good thing going. Uh, Ryan, did we we spent a lot of time here? Did you want to talk about some of your other TV shows, or do you want to save them? It's up to you. Well, couple of quick questions. First of all, I'm not going to talk long about it. Book of Boba Fett just ended. Uh, have you been watching that? So I watched the first two episodes, um, and then <laughs> okay. I, then my wife and I kind of dropped on it. Uh, but now I'm from the buzz. I'm feeling like I need to get back to it. So I, I am intending to watch the rest. But yeah, um, I've heard that the third episode really sucks, and and so we were we were at a point where like, uh, you know, it was all right. We just saw the Dune episode, which is essentially he's Paul Atreides and the desert with the Fremen, except they're played by sand people. And then they do a train robbery. Um, and, uh, and it was good. It was like really good special effects and really neat, but it, it didn't tickle my fancy the same way the Mandalorian did. And, and definitely not my wife as well. Maybe the lack of baby Yoda. I don't know. But bo- bottom line is we dropped uh, and, but we are planning to come back 
so so maybe we should put that on hiatus until we're we're yeah. to both talk about it. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, we'll have to come back to it. I would love to do a spoiler conversation because I, I have questions. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a really big Star Wars person, but a couple questions I want to throw out there, and this will be a great way to, to learn if Jordan's still listening because I know whenever we talk about Star Wars, he he lets us know. Um, but what what is what is good Star Wars? Can you answer me that? Like, what is good Star Wars? Because I find anytime Star Wars comes out, everyone complains about Star Wars. Outside of The Mandalorian, I feel like The Mandalorian was that that clear outlier that both was good Star Wars and was well-received. And, and, and I agreed on both ends. I liked it. It was good Star Wars. It, it was my kind of Star Wars, and it was well-received. But I, I have a question as I'm watching Book of Boba and I'm seeing the discussions happening online and I'm wondering what 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 is good Star Wars? So, I mean, obviously that is a super loaded question and I <laughs> But could should give it be? You, like I don't understand. I give you no, I Yeah, understand. well, it's it's loaded in the sense that that Star Wars is, sits on this this um axis between uh nostalgia mm-hmm. and um and uh uh, you know innovation in like and tradition and all of these things so yeah to say oh people see good star wars in different ways is is much is so much of an understatement because like the example that i'm gonna i would give you of good star wars like like looking at the original trilogy is like, that's what I was raised with. And so I'm looking for that world and those beats. So the world of the prequels, the CG shiny world um, lacking in charisma and all of that, I find really to be poor star Wars, but to some, but other people, especially now as the prequels start to show their age, like there's, there's, you know, people that grew up with them and that was the star Wars that they knew um, that they're starting to think of them fondly. And I'm like, those are shitty movies. Why are you thinking about them fondly? But those are the movies that they grew up with. Right. So that yeah. they, they see that. But I think that if you put any of the star Wars movies before a film critic, you know, it's been a case of pretty much diminishing returns since the, the beginning. Like uh, after Empire, it's probably been been uh, diminishing returns. But what I I consider um, a good Star Wars now is is uh, is different than what a lot of people will. But I do think that it is uh, about letting go. Uh, it is about it is about letting go of the past. But but uh, in terms of the characters. Uh, that have existed in uh, multiple movies or TV shows or whatever. It's about creating new characters, but in in the universe of the original trilogy, uh, I think that that is what echoed about the Mandalorian that it wasn't a retread of all these characters until it was, but um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't a retread. It was the new characters and new situations. It took the things, the elements that people loved about the original trilogy. Oh, you like Boba Fett's helmet. What if we made the whole main character Boba Fett like with like in the Mandalorian? Oh, you like, you like um, uh, what you might call it, the, the grit and grime of sort of Tatooine and all of this. What if we like recreate that with another desert planet and that sort of thing? So they recreated some of the similar beats, but they expand the universe in a in a way as well. And I think that that's I think I think the fans that are looking for nostalgia 
are re rebelling, pun intended, resisting, to use the new, the, the new lingo, the new movies in particular, because they are um, just sort of taking the old characters that they grew up with, killing them off, uh, and cr doing controversial stuff for controver controversy's sake. Mm. Um, and, and and then the prequels were too much doing something completely different. And, and it's finding that middle ground between like doing the same stuff that we know, know and love from the original trilogy, but doing new stuff too. And I think the prequels was like, everything was new. It's like, we're doing a new look. It's politics. Now it's about trade federations and negotiations. And there's, there's these CG races you've never heard of. So everything was new. Um, the, the new trilogy, the JJ Abrams trilogy, for lack of a better term, sorry, Ryan Johnson is, a is, is essentially like, let's go back. Let's look at the past and bury the past, but like bury all these characters, but bring them back and let's hit the same beats and do it again. And it, so it was too much of the same. And I think that the, what the Mandalorian has done, <coughs> it has, has fine, has found that window between like, no, there were, there's elements that people enjoy of the original trilogy. They want, they want to see, they like the world, the race, the lived in feeling of the star Wars universe, but they want to explore that universe and they want to go out further and they want to meet new characters and they don't always want it to be about the Skywalker family for me. So I think for me that that is what good star Wars is. And I think that, the, the book of Boba, one thing I find interesting is Boba Fett is a legacy character. Nobody knew anything about, but they essentially made the Mandalorian first. And the Mandalorian series is Boba Fett. Like they essentially took the character from the movies, a mercenary for hire that we knew nothing about with a cool suit of armor. And they made a show about him and they called it the Mandalorian. And then when they introduced Boba Fett, they were like, well, we already have a Boba Fett show. So let's let's do something different with this legacy character. But now people are attached to the new character. And the Mandalorian, to my knowledge, is the only case of people buying into new Star Wars wholeheartedly and being yeah. like, I like this character. I like this universe. I like all of this stuff. And so for me, good Star Wars is really hard to do. It's It's like – so many people want so many different things and it, it it's throwing that dart and and that's why i think rogue one is is a, a great example of new star wars because it's it it is in that universe that we love but it tries to move away from those legacy characters the legacy characters are around because it's taking place during the original trilogy but it's new characters and it's new stuff and i think people are ready for that in the star wars universe that they know and love okay so you answered the question really well, and I wasn't trying to be antagonistic if anyone was wondering, because again, like I do understand what good Star Wars is, and I think everyone's entitled to their opinion when it comes to enjoying uh, certain, you know, uh, Star Wars, like parts of Star Wars. Like you're not going to like every part of a franchise and like, yeah, 100% agree. The originals, while I'm not as close to them as, as other folks are, they're okay, the prequels, not great. The sequel trilogy, they're okay. Um, my favorite Star Wars is The Mandalorian, and I have been, in, I did enjoy Book of Boba Fett. I think some of the criticisms laid on it are totally accurate. There are some duds of an episode. There's some weird acting, um, but I, I want to, I want to come back to to it once you've watched it, and we can talk about it because I think it'd make for a really interesting conversation. Because again, like my struggle with the book of Boba Fett was that I 
don't think the character of Boba Fett was very interesting until we had this series. Because again, like he's not just a dude in a suit who takes orders from Darth Vader and then dies unceremoniously, you know, in, in the Sarlacc pit. Like that's my understanding of Boba Fett before he got, he was in the Mandalorian and got his own show. Wasn't that interesting now that we have the Mandalorian and we know more cause I'm not, I'm not engaging with, um, the cartoons, which I know have a lot more Mandalorian content in it as well. So like, I'm not sitting here saying like, I I've played a couple of video games and I've watched the movies and now I'm watching the live action TV shows. I'm not engaging with everything. So I know I'm missing large pieces of the franchise, but like, I liked the book of Boba Fett and I, I'm, I think it'll be really interesting to chat about it once you've, once you've watched it. And I agree with you hundred percent. I loved Rogue One. That was like a, probably one of my favorite Star Wars movies. And I know saying that out loud uh, will cause the, will cause parts of the internet to, 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 to get, to get heated, you know, but like, I don't know. I just, I thought it was a good film. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So we'll see. I, I'm curious about, and, and I mean, to continue down this path, um, <laughs> again, not to be antagonistic or or uh, controversial here, but Ashley and I started watching Wheel of Time, um, and we are enjoying it, but I have a couple of questions. Um, we have made it, I think we've made it over the crest in terms of like the first few episodes in that show, and I've not read the books, so I should put that out there now. The first few episodes of that show are just Lord of the Rings, right? Like parts of the first book of Lord of the Rings. Am I wrong? No, you're pretty. Yeah, you're okay. pretty much right. Have I not talked? Did I talk about Wheel of Time on you the did. show? You talked about it, and yeah. and I'm and I took you up on that. You know, recommendation to watch it. And like I said, I'm enjoying it. I think um, the issues we had quickly went away once they got to their own stuff. I feel like the first few episodes were very much. You know, the Dark Lord is returning. There are robed riders that are coming to get you. Um, there's oh, an yeah. evil reborn. There's orc-type characters chasing so you to much. tear you apart. <laughs> like, Yeah, there's so much, so many beats. And it's funny because, uh, true story, I read The Wheel of Time before I read Lord of the Rings when sure. I was a kid. And, uh, and uh, so I was, like, already drinking the Kool-Aid. So when people were <laughs> being critical about the saying it's Lord of the Rings ripoff at the beginning, I was like, no, I don't know. But, the, you know, no, I, the time, I, defini- I definitely see that. Although, obviously, like, you know, the two rivers gets torn apart by Trollocs, whereas the Shire, like, the riders are just on the outside. But this is, like, a nuanced thing, right? Like, it's, it's definitely uh, – it's definitely the same beat. Small village. It, it, Gandalf is is more rain. Like whatever you want to, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. And I I think that I like I want to say that Robert Jordan did that purposefully uh, to get people on board with a certain comfort level before then going into this this very complicated world that just continues to unpeel like an onion throughout. Yeah these books because Ryan, there is 12 of these books and they're like 800 pages each. Like there, it is insanely long and detailed. And I have reread the first, I want to say eight books in the series multiple times. Uh, whenever another book would come out book nine, Oh, I got to read them all again. But then I dropped at one point I dropped uh, Robert Jordan himself dropped dead. Unfortunately, he died before the series 
um, can, can, could be concluded. And it was on his deathbed, he gave the notes to another um, another writer, Brandon Sanderson, who completed the books with, with Robert Jordan's uh, uh, Widow's Guidance. And... Um, and uh, supposedly it ends quite well. Like they, they, Brandon Sanderson, great writer, has his own own great series, and and they ended it. But uh, but yeah, there's so much there that like I'm watching it the whole time, and my wife is going insane because I'm pausing it every two seconds, explaining eight layers of things she doesn't need to know. You know. Mm. Well, I, I that is, and I will note like we've gotten to a point in the show where it has moved away from the Lord of the Rings tropes. And I get it. Like Lord of the Rings is like the number one, you know, fantasy, uh, story out there. And, uh, I get basing parts of it in that sort of realm to kind of like bring some familiarity to, to new readers. Um, and I think as is you're, you're right, as you continue and you get into the, the uniqueness of the show or, or the property, like I'm starting to see that. Um, like a couple other things that jump out at me is like they really wanted to show off their location uh shots a lot of like uh overhead drone shots of of characters walking um which i always laugh every time it happens like oh there's another drone shot there's another in a wide pan show us this new zealand landscape which i'm pretty sure that's where they shot it no it's not it's It's not um but i i I will say it looked uh, like new zealand I, well, then they did their job well. Um, uh, the uh, the thing is, is uh, though it's in it's in like I, I want to say Poland, Scandinavia. Oh or yeah, or something. okay. But but I will I will say that uh, that it used to be. I pointed those drone shots out to Jesse too, and it is funny because like when I was like we're in such a golden age of, of television and stuff, but it, where where shows like Boba Fett and the Wheel of Time with these mega budgets that look like movies like. It's so crazy, but it used to be, uh, and and drones are uh, much more available, obviously, than they used they used to be. Used to be one of the big differences between going to see a movie in theaters and seeing a TV show was those shots. Like they did not exist on TV. Like I remember, we would be Jesse and I were watching this show called Alias. Uh, in the early two thousands, and it was a spy show, and in it, like. At one point, Jesse's like, "This is like a movie," and I was like, "Well, it is, except that you can. They're always you. They never do wide, wide environment shots. You know, like, like whereas you go see a movie, like it's set in New York City. Boom, they've got like this overhead shot of the entire island of Manhattan, giant panoramic. It's like this is a movie. You're seeing big budget right now. So I think that was a very expensive series for them, and they're they're just showing it off yeah. as much as possible." Yeah, no, uh, we we could, we did kind of drop it. I, I felt like it was again, like it, it was heavy. Um, they were trying to, they're they're, it, and it's a little slow, but like uh, it it is is a, a fun show to. Uh, it is a cool show to watch. Like there's a lot going on. The effects are, I think, like fall a little bit below like the 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 other type of stuff that you're used to seeing with streaming services. I feel like they. There's a couple moments like the magic all looks good, but some of the effects as like the monsters are connecting. I think the Witcher had this issue as well. It's really hard to get that connection, you know, nailed. Um, for the most part, it works, but there are a couple moments where the effects kind of do slip through a little bit, um, do break the break the connection. But like, I think it was around the time when 
they're being like they're constantly being traced by the what were the monsters you called them the 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 scallops what are they called trollocs trollocs thank you uh they they get chased into this like abandoned city and the the trollops won't go in there like at that moment in the show i was like oh okay this is really interesting they're doing some world building uh and it's not just uh or the maybe there is something in the lord of the rings and I'm, i'm just not thinking of but i i think that moment in the show is where it started to get a lot better and it was was really interesting uh and and uh started to have its own feel but like even like moraine like she got stabbed she's got like the frodo stab where she's like they're having to carry her everywhere and she's she's being slowly poisoned um there's a lot of that going on but i again like i we're enjoying it i'm curious to see where it goes i'm a little worried that you mentioned it's 12 books and that like i don't know how they I have no idea. I have like they they do the first book though. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they, don't get me wrong, they skip a ton of stuff, sure. and uh, it's one of those like, oh, the book's way better type deal. Like, and and the the book fans uh, are very upset about a lot of the changes they made. They make a ton of changes, uh, but what are you going to do? You got to you got to shorten this thing. You've got to streamline it. You got to make it more accessible. Uh, all of those things. So I, I mean, like they got to, but let's say they're able to cram a book a season. Let's say they're able to do that. Well then, I mean, what does that make? 12 seasons. I mean, like that's crazy town, right? So, so they're going to have to even cut more substantial corners, mm-hmm. assuming, you know, uh, you know, assuming that it, 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 uh, well, that worked out for game of Thrones, right? They kind of, uh, did it? No, did it didn't. It, it did. No, That's the joke. Didn't it all. did not work for it Game did of Thrones. Not work out. Thank <laughs> you for spelling that out for me, uh, Ryan. We need to. That's it. Yeah, let's move on. Run down to change some diapers because uh, I think we have gone as we want or want to do. Uh, we've gone well over our planned time period, and those dang and rampa kids aren't going to solve their own murders. Um, what I and obviously. Uh, the protest that I'm part of, the occupation of the street. I've got to, you know, I've got to continue honk the horn and all of that. Um, So just let's jump down, change some diapers real quick here. I'm going to continue with the video games um, and talk about, um, I'm going to talk about Dragon Quest Builders 2. Ryan, have you played this game? No, I've not. Dragon Quest Builders 2, I think, is getting a very, I don't want to say unfair rap, but like not the attention that it should be getting. Like Minecraft, one of the biggest games in the world. Animal Crossing, one of the biggest games uh, in the world. You know, like Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, these are big, big names. Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is on Game Pass, you can just download and play it now or buy it on your Switch, is an absolutely amazing game for kids uh like my daughter seven seven year old uh she's just like over the moon and since like i want to say stardew valley maybe like this is the most she's been like independently doing stuff and wanting to play a game by herself it has this great balance between um the story and the building uh which is great because she can't really do the story without me. So we'll do the story bits together and then she'll do a bunch of building by herself, which she loves. And it's block-based a la Minecraft. But 
Minecraft's on, on Game Pass as well, and I downloaded that, and we tried to play it, and I found it very confusing right off the bat. I was like, what is going on? These graphics suck. I don't understand, like, what I'm supposed to be doing here. How do I, you know, whatever. Like, oh, I'm being attacked by zombies. It's nighttime. It's it. it it felt it feels like an old PC game, and I am so surprised that it is popular as it is. My Dragon Quest Builders is like, what if we took Minecraft but made it kind of look nice and fun, um, and and easy to onboard with tons of recipes that you can do? It's a lot like Valheim, actually. I keep making that comparison to Bo and Mike, and they I know they want me to shut up about it, but um, but it is it is like almost a, it's got more stuff than Valheim though, and it's it's given out over over time. The one thing I'd say about Dragon Quest Builders too that is I I guess I I guess a complaint is that it does this thing where you start the game, you're this character. Uh, that's a builder and is going to be the lead in the adventure. And you're stranded, you're on this island. And this island is like your home base, going to be your home base for the, the, the game. It's like the, the major island that you're going to be building on. But just as you kind of get used to it, they ship you away to another island, which is where you learn your first batch of recipes and everything to do with wood and growing food and farms and all of this sort of stuff that my daughter just absolutely loved. But you're on that island, Ryan, no joke, for like eight hours. Like Gwen just did mission after mission on this island to the point that I thought that this is where the game was going to take place. But then she built a whole town and all of this stuff. Everything was growing great. And then your guys at one point, you fight a boss and your guys are like, okay, we can go back to our island now, which again was a shit heap because we hadn't done anything on it. So we went back to the island and you take back all these new recipes, these seeds and these friends that you've made from this town. And then you, you start building on, on, on your home island and then you get far enough and then they ship you off to another island where you learn like all the mining and ore and blacksmithing recipes. My daughter's aunt and that's got a whole quest tree and she's doing that. Um, and so now she's building a new mining town on this other island, but it, eventually she's going to go back to her home island in, in, in that. So you're constantly being pulled away from these giant worlds that you're building. And I think the idea is that they're trying to give you all the recipes slowly over time so that you'll go to these islands. And then at one point you'll have all the recipes, you will have learned everything, and then you will be able to go crazy on your home island and just build something amazing. Um, but it is a bit annoying as a parent being like, uh, my daughter's like, I don't want to leave this place. I built all this stuff. And I was like, well, you know, you can come back anytime, but the game is pushing you back to this place. And then she gets into this new place and then it pushes her away. I will say that part is annoying, but that's the only part. Everything, the building is so intuitive. Um, the recipes, the, the way, um, the, the game plays, the combat is so low-key and, and easy to do. Uh, I mean, it's just an awesome game, polished to a shine, like Nintendo-style polish, uh, with these, you know, likable characters, like Animal Crossing. Like, she logs in, she's talking to all the NPCs. How are they doing today? Then she's building something. She sets her own objectives and does her own projects. Anyway, it's just a fantastic game, uh, especially for kids. Um, you know, six, seven, eight. I mean, I think it would be a, a home run. And, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on it. And it's on Game Pass. Like you can just download it and start start playing it. Um, 
with your with your kid and i think you'd have a good time sweet yeah no i've been trying to find um more games honestly i think caden's still he's still really enjoying uh they added uh paw patrol mighty pups to game pass which i thought was a great ad for us like he he's been really enjoying it i i think it definitely gwen is past that and i think we're still looking to to break through that um that wall with with Caden he he has a genuine interest in video games but I think he's still he's still working his way out to those those style games but Dragon Quest Builders 2 might be like if he hasn't done Animal Crossing yet then then obviously it's the next level like it's like if your kid if your kid is like a Stardew Valley level they are definitely ready for Dragon Quest Builders 2 so like I'd say I'm speaking to that audience the 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 kids who are who have graduated Animal Crossing who are running their farm solo in Stardew Valley and are like I need the next thing that's going to keep babysit my kids for me for hours a day and that is Dragon Quest Builders yeah Ah, oh, sounds cool. No, I'll have to. I'll have to check it out. I think, uh, you know, I'm definitely always interested in introducing Caden to more games. And I think uh, uh, a game that I I thought about is uh, the new Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon Legends Ar- Arceus. I think um, it it looks like a game that might be slow enough that um, uh, that Caden and I could could really get into. Uh, although like Caden, he just had his birthday. We just celebrated his sixth birthday and it was Pokemon themed. Um, and he, he got, uh, he, he, it was, he got, uh, a bunch of Pokemon cards. Um, shout out to, uh, both Whirlwind and yourself. Cause Whirlwind, I asked him, you know, what should I get if, you know, Caden's, he's got a bunch of boosters. You got like, he was at an age where he wanted to collect the cards. So we got, we did that, but now he's asking to play. And Whirlwind said, well, they, you're going to want to get this like Battle Academy set. So I got it from Walmart. It was like 35 bucks. And it includes like three fully built out decks, Pokemon card decks. And it's got like a mat for you to play on and all the stuff you need to play. And even like a guided experience of your first game. Like they've set up the cards in the deck to be numbered. And you follow along in this guidebook. So Caden and I went, you know, beat for beat in this guidebook. And kind of taught him how to play Pokemon cards. And I loved playing Pokemon cards as a kid. So I was stoked to be playing again. And um, he had a great time. And it was it was a lot of fun to revisit Pokemon cards. Uh, and they've, they've certainly come a long way, like in terms of the mechanics and stuff. I don't want to sound like an old man, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, they've basically like... Her grandpa. Yeah, grandpa. They've, they've essentially like t- taken like Pokemon evolutions and like they've they've upgraded them twice so there's like different kind of pokemon evolutions and then like there's a super evolution anyways it's it's complex but like also shout out to crofting because uh katan jr this was the big winner i think i ordered it like three days before his birthday oh yeah yeah he um i was a little worried like again like with with covid going on there was like one sneeze away from like having you know, a good chunk of people not being able to, to come out, you know, with, with the new COVID rules and such. And, and also we are in a, and we were having like, you're having limited, you know, social gathering, uh, limits as well. So like, he wasn't really going to get it once again, he was going to not get his birthday party that he would normally get for six years old. And, uh, I thought, oh, well, let's get him something that, um, 
that he's been really interested in board games. You had mentioned Catan Jr. was great. And he loves it. He's all about it. Uh, we played a game. I love that so much. Gwen was like that too. I like, I know what the Catan, the Catan fever, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. He, so we played the first game we played. So if you've ever met Ashley's father, you'd, you'd find this hilarious, but, uh, Ashley's parents came over to wish him a happy birthday. And I said, Caden, why don't you ask Papa if he wants to play Catan Jr. Let's, let's open it up. Let's try it out. So the first time we played, we're playing Catan Jr., with this, uh, with with Ashley's father, my father-in-law, and myself, and we're learning the rules, uh, and and Caden is just buzzing, like he's vibrating in his chair. Every little thing that happens, he's like announcing it. He's having a great time, and he's being super loud. And uh, and you know, we're going through the game. We're all having a great time. Caden won. <laughs> he he beat legit beat us. Like he it's not like we were just doing bad at the game. Like he just, he was able to win the first time out. And, and uh, I think it's just the way the game is structured and that like, it is, it is fair across the board. There are so many avenues for you to be able to progress that really like, if you get the right placements on the board, you're good to go. And he understood all the concepts, like the different ideas of trading in that, like he could trade resources with the stockpile or the marketplace or other players. And he was just in love with everything that was going on. I I will say uh, like that. So you obviously played by rules, which says youngest player goes first. Um, And uh, I didn't know that. I I just let Caden go first. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the rule book. Youngest player goes first. Gwen rubs it in my face all the time. And, and we, we have now changed the rule that we're roll off because I do think that there is there is a sizable advantage, especially when your kid becomes a shark like mine, um, that that you that the first player gets a, b- a big advantage. Uh, they, they could roll poorly. Like there's a way that it can work out for the second player when you're playing two, which is what we normally play. Um, but the generally I think odds favor the first person. And I, at one point when Gwen had beat me like 10 times in a row or something ridiculous, I was like, look, I'm like, I deserve to go first here. She's saying, no, the rules say, and it says it in the book. I'm like, I don't care. I said, we're going to roll off. And, um, and uh, now she borderline starts crying when she when we roll and and I get to go first, but I stand by it. I'm like, look, <laughs> I'm like, you've been winning too, way too much. You need to learn about losing. But I will I will say that 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 moment, like you were talking about, how Caden won that first game. That that moment when your kid beats you and you know you know that you you were trying to win, and he beat you straight up. That feels good. Like as a parent, you're like, I'm, I'm, you know, it's the only time I really enjoyed losing. Yeah. And we, um, we played a couple of ma- So I played a match with, uh, with Caden and, and then my, my two brothers. So two of Caden's uncles and, um, Caden didn't win. I think, I think my brother won and he struggled with that, but we we're, we're getting there. He's learning that I said, you, you, you have to be a, a good winner and a good loser. Like you're not going to win every game you play. And I think he's starting, he's coming around on it, but again, he's six totally understand. So we're working on it. But, um, <laughs> my brother says like, so what's this game? I think I might pick it up. It's like, well, this is the Catan junior. This is for like six plus. 
Um, <laughs> and but hey, not to sound mean, but again, like it is a lot of fun. But I said to him, like Catan, the real the not the real Catan, but like the the adult version of Catan is, I guess, the original Catan is a lot of fun, and it is exactly like Catan Junior, but a little more expanded upon. Um, and just a little more complex. There's reading to the cards, so it doesn't quite work well for, like, kids. There's no reading outside of the rules, and once you have the rules down, it's pretty much play the game. And there's and, no yeah. pirates in regular Catan. No, there's no pirates. Caden got boats. a kick out of the, the ghost ship. He really loves the ghost ship. They knew exactly what they were doing. I like they, That's like lightning in a bottle that game. I'm really glad that you guys got great because for us, we got great great mileage out of it and and i'd say the only reason we're not playing it as much lately is because we played it so much but if i if i i think gwen's not it's out of sight out of mind but if i said at any moment hey you want to play she'd be all over it and she'll set up the whole board for us you know like i i'm like you set up the board if you want to play and she will do it and get everything sorted out and she's excited to go and and so yeah no just absolutely great board game for for kids and how remind me is Caden six yeah he just turned six so so i mean like it's i'll say it's impressive like gwen is seven and a half and uh it's impressive that a, a kid that was five not long ago and has just turned six is able to 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 play that game because there is a there is a still you know the trading and the there yeah you have the recipes and all that but it, it is it, it's enough like it's enough yeah. to to think about like abby abby uh doesn't have the patience for it yet but caden's really been enjoying it and and we've um we you know with caden's birthday we've introduced uh because our our kids go to bed quite early so we introduced this new thing uh, um where uh i call it we call it buddy's night. So Caden gets to stay up late. And I, I, on his birthday, I said, you can stay up as late as you want. Uh, <laughs> you can stay up as late as you want because a, like he does quite well the next day if he stays up late. Um, and he, he takes it easy. Like he doesn't burn himself out when he's had less sleep. Uh, so we felt pretty confident about that, but we, we said to him, like, we can do whatever you want. We can, we can watch TV. We can play games. We can play board games. And the first night we did it, we've done it twice now. Um, and the first night we did it, he, he, he was still going at 1030 and Ashley and I are like, yeah, we're exhausted. And we finally had to say to Caden, like, look, Caden, we're putting you to bed because we're going to bed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was, and that was a lot of fun. Like just giving That's, him his own cool, time. Eh? Yeah, no, that is so cool. Yeah. He, he needed it too, but he's a really patient I, I I don't he's not like super patient but in terms of like getting his own time he's he's usually quite patient and you know he's he's had he's had two siblings to to share our time with for the last um last two years and and I will say like yeah we need to we need to extend that time to to Abby as well and and uh and we're going to do that too maybe we're not we're not going to stay let her stay up cuz she is an absolute grump and she does not know how to sleep in if she stays up the time that she stays up it, instead of her sleeping in, she actually wakes up early. So if you put her to bed an hour late, she's up an hour earlier. So she actually loses double the amount of sleep. If you don't put her to bed at, uh, at her normal time, which is uh fun, how fun, how that works. But um, we've just been having, we've been trying to make the best of everything. And, and I think like with Caden, he, he wants to watch star Wars. So like 
we're trying to i'm trying to figure out like what kind of what kind of star wars he can watch and there's the obvious answers of like um the kids stuff basically the good kind ryan <laughs> yeah i mean like he he wants he, he likes baby yoda like for christmas i got a, a giant baby yoda stuffy pillow uh that they got for me as a joke but really it just turns into like all the kids or get to share it but like uh, he likes baby yoda like i don't know the mandalorian like there's uh, it, it's a tough one but like I, I remember the first episode being pretty tame so we watched the first episode together and he quite liked it so um, i remember it opening with a bar scene where a guy gets ripped apart by a door or something he it's does like, get oh. ripped in half by a door but like yeah. it's kind of like off screen like you know blink and you miss oh, it type thing I, and all i'd say ryan is it's <laughs> It's it's the Mandalorian, not the kid Delorean. You know? No, that's true. So, this is like those moments where say, yeah, Star Wars for DeLorean. kids, and then you say, well, doesn't he like Darth Vader like choke a guy to death? And like, yeah, I guess yeah. when you like mention that specific scene, it's not for kids. But yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it is it is interesting. Uh, like like even a, if you look at the original trilogy, like that first movie is is much even though it's got traumatic bits, uh, including the burnt skeletons of Uncle Owen. Oh, yeah. That. Um, <laughs> I, I, w- I would say it's, it's more palatable than Empire Strikes Back. It's like um, a callback. I feel like we've had this conversation before where I went to the person getting choked, and then you're like, well, there's also that scene where two people are burned to death. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like- well, there's, I mean, like, there's, if you could make a listing of, of scenes of like, it is funny how you start, you start looking, like you were mentioning the blood of the bird and death's door. Um, and, and how, uh, cause I immediately was like, well, nope, this one's so good for Gwen. But I didn't know that you could turn that off, and I don't. I don't know what type of content is, you know, say later later in the game. But um, you just start watching like everything in such a way where you think like I, like Dragon Quest builders. I'm like always looking at what the characters are saying and being sure like, the you know the me- you know the messaging's all right. Then when we watch a movie, like we watched in like we're all into Encanto and the music of Encanto and all that is everybody is. And um, Encanto is so interesting because it also has like really no scary bits or mm-hmm. villain. Like it's so, as I watched, I was like, man, this is like, like any kid can watch this and like never be scared really, you know? And you start, you start micro as a parent, you micro analyze all those things. I think like, you know, on the topic of Mandalorian and, and watching, like watching the first episode with Caden and and, um, and he really enjoyed it. He had a great time. He loved it. And but I think you're right. Like there are there's definitely like kids stuff where you can say, I know if Caden or Abby or Isabel sit and watch Peppa Pig or Paw Patrol, I don't have to worry about there being I don't have to pre-watch Paw Patrol. Like I know it's going to be fine. It's kids programming. And, but I feel like with with this specific example of, uh, you know, episode one of The Mandalorian, um, there's it's just one of those things where, like, if you sit with uh, sitting with him and watching it with him, you're able to have that conversation. You're able to pick up on cues. You're able to you've already seen it. So you, you're not going to be surprised by anything coming up. And, and the scene you specifically mentioned, like, as an adult watching it, you know what's happening. But like when you watch it through the lens of a, of a, of a kid, 
it kind of like it could be a lot of things like for me uh and for Caden when we were watching it like he kind of just felt it was like the guy got caught in the door and then the door malfunctioned and then he fell to the floor they don't show like the blood and guts (laughs) of the guy you know like it's one of those things where and 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 you know uh someone who disagrees with me could be sitting here saying like well you're just making excuses but like you know it's uh there's it, you just have to you have to know what you're getting into and of course there's like i'm not gonna watch the walking dead with my kids you know because i know there's blood and guts and gore i just just uh, for the record i don't think that should even be a question in the fact that you you say it so like even with a question mark at the i end, know people who I, will watch I, look, that kind of I, content with their kids around i i do know those people like, oh my god i cannot even imagine it's like you're I'm just sorry. asking for nightmare like again like and, and Ashley said to me, like, look, if he struggles with it, you're going to have to, you know, uh, help him through it. And and I mean, he's really good in that we were he we're watching and he's we're having conversations and he's not latching on to that specific moment. He's just excited that the that the Mandalorian is is kicking butt and taking names and he's having and he's wondering when Baby Yoda's going to show up. <laughs> <It wouldn't. laughs> you know, and I mean, yeah. I I mean, there like I think as it goes, it it. it it probably i think that's i I don't know like it's a pretty light-hearted show but uh i i I only i only clearly remember the first couple episodes of the mandalorian i think i'd have to like watch ahead a little bit i definitely remember there's an episode i think it's in season two where they're on an ice planet there's like a giant spider monster oh yeah Um, yes i i would skip that one uh, yeah, um, it's a bottle episode. Uh, anyways. Yeah, but there's definitely um, creature scares, a lot of creature scares in Mandalorian. So, and the original trilogy was like that too. Like they go down the garbage disposal, and then there's the, the eye that comes out. I remember getting friggin' yeah. freaked out by that stuff. And eventually, uh, you you have to with your kids. Like you're gonna get to that point where it's not like you just like, well, when they hit eighteen, they'll be able to watch it all. Like I think you like you can slowly introduce them to this stuff when you know it's when you know they're ready for it and i think like it, yeah like i think you it, it's it's a sliding scale like uh for for some some of the content there again there are clearly content that in my mind you you probably wait until they're ready uh or or until they're a little older, but I, I think like there's certain content where you can probably introduce it a little early. Like, and I think where that, where that, um, not only uh, need, but kind of want, and, and you want, you want to engage with this content with your kids. Like I remember, you know, like Spider-Man, like I want to be able to watch Spider-Man with the kids. Like I want them to get into the Marvel stuff. I want them to get into the, the star Wars and whatnot. And I think there is as parents, especially geeky parents, you kind of want to share those experiences with your kids sooner rather than later. You know, yeah, we're just talking them because Gwen's Gwen seven, uh, as I've only mentioned eight times on this episode, <laughs> uh, and we're we're looking at um, doing the first Harry Potter book with her, yeah, uh, and uh, then watching the first movie after, and uh, you know, like in Harry Potter is an interesting case, right? Because um, you know, when I wasn't a kid when they came out, uh, but they came out, I was. Each yeah, that's right. Thank you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they came out like a, <laughs> every, 
every year your kids would get a bit older and so they were ready for the next book but the books yeah. weren't all available right like so so you had to wait like it it the series came out as your kids got older but now it's different because all the books are available day one so you as a parent have to kind of be like are they yeah are they ready for harry potter in general are they ready for book one are they ready for book two you have to have that question each time because the books you know, take on more mature themes as the as the series moves along until the last ones are are young adults. Basically, uh, just war books, like uh, the last yeah, one. like it's there's so much, yeah, so much. So it's it is it is interesting. But as soon as I said to Jesse, I was like, I think she's ready for Harry Potter. Like I could see Jesse's eyes light up, being like, Oh, that'll be really fun because she really enjoyed um, reading uh, Harry Potter. And we talked about Star Wars recently because I think that Gwen still somehow does not know that uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Hmm. And uh, I think it would be, it will be really fun when we get to that, to that, that part in empire. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, and she knows of Star Wars and she knows of these things, but now she's seven. I feel like we can kick the door open to that. For a while, when I was a young parent, like like when my ch children were really young, I was super impatient to get to that stuff, like super impatient. But now I'm kind of like much more chill. I'm like, I want it to be right in the perfect, you know, right yeah. age and, and that. So I'm not rushing it anymore. And I think that's where... Um... I've also come around on that as well, where I tried to watch Star Wars years. Like we've had that, we had the conversation on this podcast like a, a year ago, even. And uh, this podcast, yeah, yeah, this one, this one. Uh, and I think that uh, it just it, the the kids weren't interested. They got bored. They wanted to shut it off. And I and I think like you know, if you try to rush into it, not only could you maybe give your kids nightmares. And then you have to deal with those consequences, but also you might be a little let down by the fact that they're not ready for it in the sense that they're just bored and they'd rather watch something more along their lines of television. And, you know, the Harry Potter conversation actually came up. Ashley was wondering about it. Like, do you think, you know, Caden might be ready for Harry Potter? And I never even thought about the, I mean, my mind immediately went to, well, he could watch one, two, and, but three starts to get into like the Dementors. That's probably too much. So like one and two for sure. And like, again, as you said, how long do you make one and two last before you move on to three, four? And, and again, like the rest where it does get into a lot more heavier stuff. Um, so yeah, like that conversations happened here, but I think, I think like we're, we're content to, you know, kind of, wait for it to wait for them to be ready. And, and, you know, Caden's been asking about star Wars. So I think he, I think he's ready. He's, he thinks he's ready, but like, we're not going to like immediately skip to, all right, now let's, uh, let's analyze the, the freeze frames of episode three as, as Anakin is slowly burning on, on, uh, from lava burns. So like, let's look at this. No, like we're, we're not going there. Like, uh, also the prequels, why would you start there? But you're right. Like Caden doesn't know about the Darth Vader twist. And we we got he went to the he went to the bookstore because uh, I found this gift card and he uh, he he used it at chapters to buy um, I think you've talked about them the golden books Star Wars golden books yeah um, he got Empire Strikes Back he only bought one uh, only <laughs> so bought. 
So every time I worry about this child. Yeah, I know. know. He just wants to skip to the end or the best part. I just want the dark one where the empire wins, Dad. Yeah, can we get that one? Yeah, exactly. Uh, He uh, so every time I read it, uh, and Ashley always gives me a a side eye because I always change it. And uh, the 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 twist they do the twist like Luke, I am your father, whatever the line is. I I know that's not right, but um, I always say like Luke, I ordered a sandwich, and he's like no. And and I always change it every time because I don't want to spoil it from the book because I want to do I wanted him to experience it for the first time in the movie, um, so that oh, that's our fun. Oh. <laughs> I see what you've done. Yeah. Uh, that that is clever. That is clever. We read um, it like every other night, so I always have to come up with a new a new line for Darth Vader to yell and then for Luke to go no. no. So. That's not it, Daddy. One day I'll find out, and then I will join the dark side. Just like my pirate captain in Catan Jr. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Ryan, we are going to close out the show for two main reasons. One, it's gone very long. It has, yeah. But two, uh, I'm the only one left in my occupation trucker group here uh, on the, on this street. Everybody else has moved on. Uh, I said I can't because of my Wi-Fi distance and stuff. So it's kind of awkward here. Um, you know, freedom isn't going to free itself or whatever my demands are. I I'm going to have to refresh myself on what those are. I, I wrote them, I wrote them down somewhere, but, uh, for those two reasons, I'm going to have to do the business. And what that means is I'm going to have to invite all our listeners to visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. And if they have topics, ideas, comments on the myriad of things that we discussed today, they can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. They can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Croft and Steers rallying the Freedom Brigade. And you can find Ryan at R. Murphy rallying the Peterborough Brigade. And the show itself, if you want to know when new episodes drop, uh, that's at D and D cast. Uh, we'd appreciate it. If you throw us a follow there, that would be amazing. Uh, Ryan, that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Supersized episode of D and D. Do you have any closing remarks before I join my, my brothers and sisters in arms and getting our protest voices heard? Uh, all I all I say is uh, is yeah yeah I've got nothing I can't I cannot follow that although here's this here's this uh, here's another one that I used uh, Luke I've ordered an Uber <laughs> did you have to explain that one to him um yes yeah I did and then that led into the whole gig economy thing and Lyft versus Uber and how Lyfts and Ubers aren't available in Peterborough oh I'm coming Charlie just cool your jets. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, Lyft, Lyft, Lyft versus Uber. I tell you what, we'll talk about it next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.